Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I am Jack Fowler, the host, and we are recording on Sunday, the 20th. And I mention that because it's a few days before an expected Republican debate when we're recording. And we'll save the commentary on that from Victor for his uh, uh, forthcoming discussion with the great Sammy Sammy Wink. So just a little temporal context. Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. His website, The Blade of Perseus, has an address, victorhanson.com. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. I did mention the debates, Victor, because there's a pre-debate story, and that's Donald Trump is not going to participate in it. And instead, he is going to do a long interview with Tucker Carlson. And Victor, I'm sure our listeners would like to get your thoughts on that. A number of people have written me asking for your thoughts on another Republican candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's also come out with his Ten Commandments. So we'll get your perspective on that, Victor, and a a few other things, including Joe Biden, who's just a cold-hearted S.O.B. Your thoughts? Wait, good old Joe Biden from Scranton? That's right. Come on. I'm sorry, Joe. I'm sorry. I almost called you Joe there, Victor. Sorry. Yeah, he is. You ain't ain't Jack, you junkie. (laughs) Put you all back in Put you all back in chain. (laughs) Everybody knew that Joe Biden was a caricature. He was never a nice guy. Yeah, he, he espoused whether it was James O. Eastland or Strong Thurmond, he cozy up to segregationist. 
when he ran for president, he was kicked. He had to remove himself for lying about his own transcript, for plagiarizing Neil Kinnock's speech. When he ran again, he said that Barack Obama, his rival, was the first black, clean, articulate, whatever that meant. I don't know. I thought surely Chisholm was pretty clean and articulate myself. And then his third race, he started off, you know, hey, fat. Hey, you lying pony face, dog face, pony soldier. Hey, junkie. Hey, you ain't black. Just on and on and on. He got a total exemption. And then it's not just that he lies, but he lies about things that are very they're, they're very taboo to lie about. He lied. There's a gold star mother. He right. and rather than well, listen to her plight, yeah. he, he lies about his own son. He always has to up whatever the conversation is. He always has to be the the one who suffered the most. Yeah. He's and, the, Victor. There's a, a, a degree of callousness in yep. uh, in politics that with him that seems to rival that character is it francis urquhart from the from the uh the british uh uh what's the game of game of not game of thrones i forget the, the name of the political series uh that kevin spacey the, the american version uh here but just utter callousness well victor we're going to talk about all those things and we'll start off though with the debate we'll get to that right after these important messages <laughs> Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, They've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, 
To get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. So, Victor, uh, a Republican debate is coming up this forthcoming week. Again, we're recording on Sunday the 20th. Donald Trump will not be participating. Donald Trump has um, done a flanking action, political flanking action. He will not only not participate, he will be interviewed by Tucker Carlson uh, in one of Tucker's Twitter interviews that then many of them have received like tens of millions of views. So uh, I don't know, seems seems a strategically wise thing. But your thoughts, Victor? I see the logic that it's strategically wise. He's a front runner, so he can't expand that large lead conceivably much further if he gets on stage. But Donald Trump is Donald Trump. He's a larger than life figure. So we're we're to expect that he's not going to debate his peers. I understand some of them are non-existent candidates, Asa Hutchinson, people like that, and that it's a leveling effect to be on the same stage with him. But nevertheless, he's the head of the Republican Party, de facto. And everybody who goes on that stage is pledged to report to support the winning candidate. So what he's doing is he's saying, I'm the I'm the front runner. And as soon as I get the nomination, I want everybody on this stage and everybody to, to rally behind me. In fact, his supporters have already called on people to drop out and rally around. But he's also saying that in the contingency, if I don't get it, I'm not going to necessarily endorse the winner because I don't want to debate and put, make that pledge. So I don't. I think given his position, that's not necessarily so wise. And more importantly, we haven't seen Donald Trump one-on-one with hostile people. And that's what he was good at. In other words, he has the rallies and he has the usually softball interviews. And But he's good at repartee. So that's how he became famous. He went on that first debate and destroyed all the, you know, low energy jab, little Marco line, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul. He did all of that. But now he's not going to go on there and do what people want him to see, how he they haven't seen this in years. They want to see how if he's up to it, his old form. So I think that would be very good. If he would go on stage, mix it up, show people that even though he's ahead, he doesn't have to do this, but he's going to A, support the nominee, and he wants everybody to support the nominee, and B, even at 76, he can out-debate much younger people. It would, I think it would, I think it's a mistake. And then the third aspect of it is if he doesn't want to go on there and he wants to play by traditional political arithmetic that front runners don't do anything that would be unnecessary, then why try to destroy his own party's evening by deliberately scheduling an interview with Tucker Carlson? And he knows that Tucker's at war and with Fox and Fox is at war with Tucker. So that this is sort of a get even 
And so forget Fox for a minute, but he's trying to diminish the audience of his party, not just the audience of his rivals. That's what I'm getting at. And it looks petulant. Will it hurt him? I don't think it'll hurt him politically, but long term, it I don't think that the leader of the Republican Party and the would-be president just skips out on a debate. And I don't I don't see that I don't see how that creates this image of a you know, a sure winner or a man that knows how to run things or a man that can take on all comers or a man that wants to unite his party, defeat this Biden disaster. It doesn't channel into that. I'm sure that everybody's gone through all the traditional arguments why you don't do that in his position. But there's a lot of people out there that want to see Donald Trump. They want to see him on stage. They haven't seen him in a long time. And they want to see him in in venues other than talking to Tucker Carlson or talking to, you know, a friendly reporter, a Sean Hannity. They just want to they just want to see him as a as a politician and mix it up. Yeah. Well, that you're right. That's part of his uh, political appeal. And Victor, you had written many well, I don't say many times, but back in 2016, when I have argued in the past, you were probably the most astute political observer. Uh, this great classicist and military historian out out politically assessed the political assessment class. Uh, you may have made the point of the uh, cunning. You call it you know, the he has an animal instinct, and that seems to appeal to a, a lot of people, and it's. You're right. It's not on display in a. I always thought he was going to win. I wrote that he was going to win the debates in 2016. I knew he was going to win the nomination. And I wrote that he would likely be president because he had that animal cunning and that instinct for the juggler vein. And he destroys people if you give him enough room. The only time he didn't do that, and I had written about that, the only time he didn't do that was the first debate with Joe Biden, where he took the advice of Christie and Giuliani and others to rattle an enfeebled Joe Biden, and but he didn't have enough time to do that an hour and a half. He should have, they canceled the third debate. He should have demanded the third bait, debate's time be added on the first two. And so if he had another hour, two and a half hours, if he was calm like he was in the second debate and methodically rattled off facts after two hours, then he could have rattled Joe Biden. But instead he came off as Using exhibiting his negative qualities and hiding his positive qualities. And that that was a disaster. Other than that, that one debate, he's done wonderfully in debates. He never turned down any offer. If he was on the beach, believe me, in Florida, and there was this Maui disaster and he was president. Somebody walked up unannounced or through the press um fence, climbed the fence or went through the the string or the tape or whatever you're supposed to keep up and said, hey, Mr. President, when are you going to visit Maui? He would have said, I'm on my way right now. I'll go right now. Or he said, come over here. Let me talk to you. I'll explain. That's what he would do. Right. And then he wouldn't care if he made a gaffe or anything. And that was what was uh, attractive about him. He talked to anybody, anytime. He drove his handlers crazy. So that's his strength to be with the people. And I think he yeah. should do it. And I think he, if he loses four or five points in his lead, it won't hurt him. But I think long-term it'll hurt him if he continues not to show up 
because they're just going to attack him and attack him and attack him and attack him. In his defense, Michael Mike Pence hasn't said that he would debate, as I understand it, and endorse the winner. That's kind of strange for the vice president, former right. vice president, not to make a commitment that he would endorse the Republican nominee. I don't think anybody in a party, if you're an independent, third candidate, who cares? But anybody in a party who won't endorse a person who's the titular head should be ashamed of themselves and leave the party. That's what got me so angry about these never Trump people, not just the Bill Crystal, the David from forget those guys. They're they're now where they always wanted to be. I'm talking about people like Mitt Romney. You know what I mean? I mean. If you're a Republican and you're in the party and it's 51% better than the alternative, then you vote for your party. Otherwise, just be an independent. Well, uh, Victor, we're going to get your thoughts a little more elaborated on you, you raised the Maui uh, incident. And uh, I think that ties in with what you also mentioned about the gold star mom. And let's put that aside for the time being, because I think we could use a little more concentration, but maybe sticking with the debates or tenuously here, one debater is Vivek Ramaswamy. And a number of people I know have written me and have asked if I could ask about you directly about your thoughts on him. But as as this podcast uh, approached, uh, so did some headlines about uh, Brahmaswamy. Two things to note, Victor, and then please give your your take on him. One was that how he has risen in the in the polls. Now, this is uh, some polls have him neck and neck in second place with the. Ron DeSantis, uh, 10, 14 points, quite distant from Trump in in first place. And I know polls are polls. It's a long way to go. But that's interesting uh, how he seems to be catching on. Um, and I'll say I did see him at a at a uh, well a conservative event earlier in this year. There's no question. The guy is very engaging with the crowd and and people. He's very he's very appealing. He talks pretty damn quickly, but uh, he still has an appeal. The other thing about him, he came out with his uh, t- uh, Ten Commandments uh, and, and this very quick, Victor, they are. God is real. There are two genders. Human flourishing requires fossil fuels. Reverse racism is racism. An open border is no border. Parents determine the education of their children. The nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to mankind. Capitalism lifts people up from poverty. There are three branches of the U.S. government, not four. And the final the U.S. Constitution is the strongest guarantor of freedoms in history. Um, you know, pretty succinct uh, Ten Commandments, like the original Ten Commandments. And I don't know how anyone could not find these appealing, anyone who's not some leftist. So there you have it, Victor. What are your thoughts on Vivek Ramaswamy? Ah, uh, well, he's very effective. I mean, he's not just worth $600 million at 30-something that he made on his own started with nothing, so to speak. But he's very what he's trying to do is channel traditional American values, nuclear family, but put them in the context of what is ruining America. So when he says, you know, 
no border. If what we have now, an open border is no border, or there's two. Gen- he's talking about contemporary issues, and he's trying to make a collage of about ten things that, if you were to follow his advice, then you would be doing two things: you would be consistent to what made American great culturally, socially, politically, economically, but you would also be addressing particular crisis that's destroying America. And so that that was pretty clever what he's doing. His brand is these very uh, well-spoken and uh, almost glib. And he can he he likes to mix it up with people who disagree with him and he doesn't get angry. He's not like Joe Biden or he can, ah, get off the grass in, or he doesn't do that. Get off the grass. Would oh, you hear what I'm going to say? That creepy stuff. Whisper, oh, none of that. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump gets angry at people, but he, for all the guys said he was so mean, he, he actually didn't hold grudges and he didn't try to, you know, he made fun of it. He twittered bad things, but he he also had kind of a live and let live attitude when he was engaging in conversation. Ramaswamy has that. And uh, the only question is, we've had these candidates before, Jack. We've had, do you remember the Ben Carson effect that we yeah. just, just, I don't know what moment we lost our romance with Ben Carson. It might have been when we they asked him about NATO and things. He didn't really understand the importance of NATO, its historical function or why we were committed to it, our foreign policy. But uh, anyway, uh, we had Mike Huckabee. Remember the authentic Mike Huckabee of 2008? We were kind of tired of uh, Romney and McCain, and he came along as kind of a nice guy that was more conservative than either, but happy warrior. And Howard Dean, yeah, but they always hit something. And that is when they're not known or they're not known from politics or they're not. There's a reason. And Ramaswamy was known as a brilliant entrepreneur, hedge fund operator, biotech guy. But outside of that small circle, he wasn't. Whereas Donald Trump has been a fixture for a half century. But it's very hard for somebody with no political experience uh, to be given the nomination of a, of one of the two parties. Donald Trump pulled it off because he was the anti-Republican and anti-Democrat, but yet he wasn't a third-party right. candidate. And Ramaswamy is trying to do that, but there's, all, there's Trump in the room and there's DeSantis there. So I think what he's trying to do now is show people that he has a sunnier disposition, he's better spoken, he's upbeat, he's much younger, he's much more energetic than Trump and others and uh, i'm sure that if he behaves himself in the sense he doesn't melt down or there's not some scandal i mean and be sure jack if he gets up another five points the left-wing uh machine will find out something he said or did 30 years ago and will and try to destroy our illusions about him but he he's a perfect vice presidential candidate so we'll maybe we'll see that or a cabinet member or something like that. I don't think he's going to make the presidency, though. Oh. So there's already a non-politician in the race. Right. And there's already a younger person called DeSantis. And there's another outsider with limited political experience that's waiting in the wings called Yunkin. So it's, he's not the only eccentric or, indiv- you know what I mean, different candidate. Yeah. 
And just because you're appealing, you may be very appealing. I think he's very appealing and in his ways, but I don't know. It's up to everybody. Subjectiveness. He, he, Does yeah, he have, do you, can, yeah. can you see him as yeah. president? I no, know. I can't. I mean, I'd like yeah. to see somebody from India as president. Uh, that would be a good idea because uh, there's a large, successful community. So I have no problem with that. But it's just that I want to know what he what he's been like over time and space. I want to see him in a long, long campaign. I want to know exactly what he's going to do. He has kind of a contract for America. It sounds very good. Right. He's uh, he really drives the left crazy because he's very dark skinned and they're they're obsessed with skin color and right. superficial appearances. And yet he has two things the left hates. He's more pro-American than they are far more. And he's much, more, much smarter and articulate than they are. So he's not just, you know, I don't know. uh Ben Carson is a very brilliant surgeon, but he said things or he didn't think things out or he didn't have enough experience uh, to be the outsider that Robert Swamy is. And and, um, so I I think he does a a lot of good. I'd like to see him, you know, really debate with DeSantis and Trump. And I think it would be something to watch. But... um, the only final thing is I am very suspicious, and this is nothing against uh, well, Vivek. Vivek, is that his name? Is that, I want to pronounce it right. Well, I say you say Vivek, I say Vivek, but Vivek, it, it, yeah. maybe the combination of the No, two, I, so. I usually pronounce, I mispronounce things, but. That's all right. It's part of your allure. Uh, I would say that. Um, that a lot of people are very distrustful of people coming out of the tech world or the financial world, especially as we, if we conflate it with Silicon Valley. I just, I don't know. There's something about, I, I guess it's my proximity to that place, but I heard a, um, a very multi-billionaire Silicon Valley person speak the other night. He's a very brilliant guy, very successful, very kind, very nice, but when they were talking about San Francisco and they asked him why people were leaving and would it hurt the tech, he seemed oblivious to the destruction of the city. If you knew what I mean, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't want to talk about homelessness. He didn't want to talk about smash and grab. He didn't want to talk about medieval filth on the street. He didn't want to talk about any of that. And so Gosh. they don't, I don't know what it is about the tech people. I yeah. think they have a sense that because they made so much money so young and so quickly, that that is proof or that is a testament that they're morally superior and they're smarter than everybody. Right. So every, everyone I've dealt with, and I live near, I work near Silicon Valley. Every one of them has a certain air about them that you're supposed to be, you know, completely impressed by them. Absolutely. Yet, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> they're, I think part of the, what, uh, and I've talked about this. I just wrote an article for Roger Kimball at uh, new criterion on Oliver Anthony's Richmond, North uh, Richmond. Oh, you did? What, what, yeah. That's oh. what, yeah. It's what he's talking about yeah. when he says, uh, he's an old soul in a new world. Yes. Yeah, certain. I don't know. He's very interesting. I don't want to get off topic, but uh, he's a very well, interesting well, go, Because this is intriguing. Go ahead. Yeah, he's a very interesting guy. I mean, he he comes out of nowhere 
he writes this. It's really a, a beautiful song. As I said with Sammy, he modulates his voice. He has a weird rhyme. He has, uh, they're not homonyms, homographics, where he has two words that uh, sound the same, but they're not the same words. So he says, uh, rich men and rich mund, Virginia, are miners that dig and miners on Jeffrey S. Scenes Island. And then he hits you out of the blue with obesity <laughs> subsidized by the government and right. Jeffrey Epson. When you want, are not expecting it. And he modulates his voice. He shouts. He's quiet. He's introspective. He's ecumenical, but he's also angry. And then he had a little bio jack he put on the internet. It was fascinating. I saw that. Yeah. $750 trailer. He lives by himself. He said he's a failure, that he's not a nice person, that he's not a good musician, that he doesn't have a good voice. He does have a good voice. I can't adjudicate his musicality, but I was very intrigued by him because he, why did, why did uh, 25 million people download? And why did the left go after him? I was reading what the left was writing about him. It was just incredible that he deserves mockery and that he's a right-wing nut. All of this white this and white that. Why were they so angry at him? And the reason I'm making this is there's he hit number one on all the charts, right? Yeah, globally. Uh, globally. Right. globally. Right. We have never seen it before. Never. Never, never, never. So he hit all of those those markers and the left went crazy but you know what the second song is on the billboard charts the second one it's not right it's not he has a lot of them on there but it's not one of his it's by a rapper i know that people are going to say victor where the hell have you been everybody knows this yeah. um uh but i don't i don't I've so been, tell me have Go you ahead. ever heard of a rapper called uh gunner like he's a gunman or something I plead the fifth. No. Well, he has a new song and it's called F the F word with you mean. Uck you mean. And it's number two, Jack. And all these people on the left, these elites are saying this man is this Oliver Anthony's a baleful influence on America. He's dangerous. He's whipping up resentment. And this is a guy who has $750 trailer and he has nothing. And he right. had a head injury that not put him out of work. I'm kind of sympathetic because I got a concussion to a few days ago from a falling brick. I was working on a wall. And so I know what that's like. So, you know, when he said, I'm not a good musician, I'm not a very, he said, I'm not a very good person. He said he spent five years struggling with his health. And then just when you think, well, he's just trying to be Arnold Schwarzenegger with uh, planned career enhancement steps. He's got it all planned. No, he said, I don't want six tour. I think he said, I don't want six tour buses. Right. Right. I don't want a jet. I don't want was it tractor trailer. I don't want even to play in a stadium. I just wrote the music. I was suffering from mental health. I want to get back to bluegrass. I didn't want any editing. I don't want any bulls blank. I'm just what do you say? I'm just an idiot with a guitar. Oh, and, by the way, Victor, what if he did want those things? What would be wrong with that? Nothing's you know, wrong hypothetically. With right? But they would they would say, well, he's just out for the money. But he's not. He's not trying to whip up people for, for his career. He wants, as he says, to be a voice of the middle class. And by the way, right. the working middle class, the East Palestine, Ohio people. 
And the left hates him because he's the wrong color, the wrong region, the wrong zip code, the wrong gender, the wrong religion. In that song, he mentions the Lord twice, and he wishes that this would all go away almost as a prayer-like. And, uh, you know, he's the kind of person that John McCain called a crazy or a hobbit. or or crazy bird, right? Yes, a crazy bird, and Biden called them uh, drags, and he called them chumps, and Obama started it with clingers, and Hillary trumped him with deplorables and irredeemables. And, you know, it was really funny because they really got angry when he said, <laughs> he said, you know, if you're five foot three, is that what, and 300 pounds, and the tax, our taxes shouldn't pay for your fudge, uh, fudge rounds. Everybody said, wow, this is just, Fat shaming. Well, who fat shamed and who said that we shouldn't? Don't you remember your mayor, Jack, uh, Mike Bloomberg? Didn't he yes. go after super size? He wanted to outlaw it because yeah. in his infinite wisdom, poor people were buying this sugary corn syrup stuff. Right, and but, but, but Michelle Obama with Michelle school Obama school lunch. And why do we sub? And then so I thought the left would like that. Yeah. But if right. you live in Mal- and by the way, if you live in Malibu and Manhattan, you don't see that. If you live in Central Valley of California and or you go to real rural Michigan, uh, southern rural Michigan, like I do every summer, and you see people who were morbidly obese with Mountain Dew cases with five or six EV2 cards trying to figure out who gave what to you or where'd you get this one or would this one's expired. So right. he's he's lived that. And then what what I didn't get was if the left is going to attack the person's song because it has a baleful influence, you remember when the, what was his name? Lamar Kendrick to pimp a butterfly, that rapper that Obama brought in. He, that, that, that song that Obama loved had the N word in it. Yeah. And he also said, we hate Popo. I wrote an article about it. That's why I remember it. We hate Popo. So that was okay. And, you know, I, uh, when I was writing this article, I wrote down some of the lyrics from the number two song on the billboards, Jack, the one that nobody's talking about. And is just about as popular as Oliver Anthony's song that they're all angry about because they say it sends a mean message. Here's what I wrote down. And I can't say this on the air. Well, you can bleep beep yourself. OK, yeah. here's one line. Effing this bitch like a perv. Smack her from the back, grab her perm, ice the burr, oh, the essing, S-H-I-T-T-I-N-G, on all your turds. Can't take the D-I-C-K, your turn, or suck with no hands, you can learn. Watch me grow it like a worm, get down to the gritty, then F-U-C-K up the city. All of my bitches is pretty. They're showing their titties. It's up to the ceiling. And it goes on and on like that. It's the most foul, grotesque, insane, stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. And I haven't heard one person say this is absolute misogyny. It's filth. And at a time when our cities are overrun with violence and smash and grab and looting and shoplifting, this guy says that get down to the gritty when you F up the city. And what did Mr. Anthony said? He said, everybody, he wishes, he wishes, Lord, it would all go away. And then he says in his bio, I just want to make people happy. 
I'm not I'm not I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. And they right. they hate him. And yet they excuse this stuff. Are they somebody's buying it outside the rapper community? Nobody says a word. And then they say, well, he's out for money. He lives in a seven hundred and fifty dollar trailer. You know what else is in that song? The stupid F you you men, you know. Yeah. Number two. Yeah. Yes. Number two. He says he brags about his. I didn't even know what it is. A Bentley Spur. What's a Bentley Spur? I've never seen a Bentley. I've never seen a Spur. And then I found out. I went on the Internet. A Bentley Spur is a top of the line Bentley. It's about $300,000. So here you have this guy who became fabulously wealthy off this filth, this racism, this anti-police, this call for violence, this misogyny, this hatred, this pornography. And he's bragging about his $300,000 car. And we're going after some guy from Appalachia that has nothing, who's trying wrestling with mental health issues. And he's trying to write a song that encapsulates the lost red state or middle state Midwest that were the great losers of globalization. He didn't know his place, Victor, right? You know what else I think they hated about? I was thinking of that. I think when he said Richmond nor uh, rich men north of Richmond, you know, the freeway, 85, whatever it is from Richmond, 95. Up, yeah, 95 right. yeah. Right up. He's just I lived there in yeah. Fredericksburg. Yeah. yeah. You uh, know, those are the people, right, Jack, that north of Richmond is where the people in the beltway are. And correct. they're the rich men. And they're the ones that think they know everything. And as he quotes that line, they, they think you don't know. They think they don't know everything and they try to control. But you remember after... Trump was elected for just a brief flashing moment. Peggy Noonan thought she was going to cash in or jump in on the mega bandwagon. And she wrote articles like how global elites forsake their country and they didn't nourish people. That's before mm-hmm. she flipped back to her belt. Well, that was kind of like, uh oh, maybe we wealthy beltway creatures didn't didn't know what was going on. And right. then there was there was uh, remember that one that David Brooks just wrote. He wrote something right. like, "Are the elite anti-Trumpers the bad guys?" He didn't mean it, but he wanted to throw that out there. Like, I'm sensitive to the fact that people like me are despised for the way we think, act, and look down at other people. So what I'm getting at is one of the reasons they hate this guy is he's trying to tell the world these people. With all this money and all this influence and all this networking and all the cash they made out of globalization, offshoring, outsourcing, all the political control, they want to you know, censor your speech. They want to have two laws, one for you, one for them. Nobody likes them. They run the world and nobody likes them and nobody should like them. That's what he's saying. And they screw over the United States. Man, you can see what's happening to the United States. All these best and brightest gave us Portland. They gave us San Francisco. They gave us the open border. They gave us begging Saudi Arabia for oil. They gave us uh, the Ukraine war. They gave us, you know, I don't mean that they caused the Ukraine war, but when Joe Biden said he didn't care if there was a minor invasion, that green-lighted Ukraine, especially after the greatest humiliation in 50 years since Vietnam, which was the Afghanistan skedaddle. So they screw up everything. And this guy is saying, nobody likes it. We're sick of it. And that everybody's responding to that. Yeah. And I think a person like Peggy Noonan or David Brooks will, hmm. But 
all the people we know are the right people. They right. went to the right schools. They have the right letters after their name. They dress the right way. They talk the right way. They live in the right zip codes. They That's know the right It's like that old line, right? The person, how did Nixon win? I don't know anyone who voted yeah, for Pauline Nixon. Kale, well, Kale, right? Pauline Kale, the critic, said that. Yeah. And then you remember that. So when he said that thing, and I wrote that down, Lord knows they all just want to have total control, want to know what you think want to know what you do and they don't think you know but i know that you do yeah i wish i could just wake up and it not be true but it is oh it is he has a lot of rhythm and modulation and musicality in that song because there's a lot of protest songs and a lot of popular songs that come out of nashville every it's not that he did but every day and they die in obscurity his didn't and it wasn't just the message. It was the way he's, he has a good voice. And it was the way he changed the variety of the song, the emphases, the sound, the tone. Yeah. The By the way, Victor, you don't even have to have a, like a great voice. Bob Dylan didn't have a great voice, but he somehow or other was really appealing. Right. So uh, I'm not comparing him here, but uh, uh, th- this song, the guy connects. He, 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 he does. And, yeah. and, for the left to go out, you know, Rolling Stone went after him. Jack, our former employer went after him. National Review. I am just, it, I don't want to, don't make I, me cry here. I, 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 it was just, I like the guy that, I won't mention his name, the yes. name that shall not be spoken. Yes. I like yeah. him. I've liked what he writes. He was yeah. from Oklahoma. He's a, he's not an elite, but he went into the whole, he went full National Review and said, why doesn't he get a job? Well, there's plenty of jobs out there. Well, maybe he was maybe he got hit in the head and he got a skull fracture for six months or maybe he didn't graduate. He left high school at 17. Or maybe if you lived in that environment, as we know from J.D. Vance, it's not an easy environment to get out of. But he did get out of it. He did get out of it. He did get out of it. He learned how to play the guitar, the resonator guitar. And he did a lot of good thing. And now he's somehow done something that no other person has ever done without any prior hit song his song was number one on every chart and you know what it's really weird i did an experiment jack i i, I went to charts you know and enters uh the internet and they try right. to suppress that as much as they can they will say uh the hot top not that they they have the actual ratings because they have that would they can't quite lie that much but right. they say this month's greatest hits or what's what's cooking and they have all these other songs but they never mention his song which is being downloaded more than any other song yeah. and and um, i don't know i, I don't know what's going to happen to him i don't know how long he he's written a couple of i read you know uh, i don't have a dollar i read I listened i listened to about seven songs when i was writing this essay for the new criterion and uh you know, I just thought, wow, we don't say a word about some thug who is a convicted felon. Right. Who uses a word called gonna about killing people at a time when black youth are being massacred by gangs in the inner right. city and who brags about the ostentatious wealth that he's accrued from these vile songs by buying a Bentley. And we don't say anything to, to the graphic language about 
forcing a woman to perform oral intercourse or pushing her head down or all these bizarre or anal, this scatological stuff. We don't say a word. And then we have a guy who mentions the Lord and he wishes he wakes up and it wasn't true and gives a little biography. Not, he didn't go on TV. He wrote it online and it may have been, I don't know, transparent and may have been simplistic, but it was honest. And and we don't like that guy. And, be, and I think the reason is, is that he he's somebody who says, you know what? <laughs> I know you guys made out in globalization. I know you in the media, the universities, politics, the corporations, tech, you all had skills that you could translate to a seven billion person market. And I know everybody in Appalachia. And everybody in northern Ohio and rural Arkansas, they were offshored or outsourced because there's a lot of muscles out where outside the United States that can assemble and manufacture and pump and drill and mine and grow. Okay, we get that. But that does not make you smarter and it does not make you more moral and it doesn't give you the authority to look down and try to control people's lives, tell them how to get what this they can do here. And there's three genders there. And right. a, like Ramaswamy was talking about. And so this, this guy is public enemy number one among our elite. And he's hero number one among the majority of America. Well, if you, if you the thing about number two, Victor is it's not condemnable because this, you could, I guess you could condemn the song itself. I, I, I guess you, you could, but the fact that it's number two means it's resonating in a certain community. And if you condemn the song, it's resonating among the community. It's not just resonating among the African-American inner city. It's resonating among white elites as well, who kind of think they're slumming by listening to lyrics, talking about killing people and screwing, effing the, the city up. How can anybody who lives in the Bay Area, who walks through San Francisco and sees the latest thing this week with two fellows in a Lexus, a Lexus, going slowly down the street, stopping at each potentially uh, expensive car and breaking the windows and grabbing the stuff within 20 seconds and stealing or when people are on the street walking up and hitting people or defecating right. or injecting or urinicate or assaulting or fornicating, et cetera. How can anybody who sees that want to go out and buy a record when I'm, when the singer says, I'm going to go out and F the city and it doesn't make any sense. Why would you want to do that? Or when he talks about women in this F right on the heels of the me too, Right. right. I mean, we're, right. we just des- we destroyed what Al Franken for putting his hand on a sleeping, you know, just putting his hand on some woman rest in a, in a, in a, as a joke. We destroyed his senatorial career. We destroyed a lot of we destroyed Garrison Keeler and for being a little bit too chummy. We surely didn't destroy Joe, uh, Joe Biden. Joe the sniffer. Right. Yeah. Tara Reid. Or, well, no, I, I guess we have to change that. The nibbler. Remember, he was not yeah. nibbling. Turkey gobbler. <laughs> he was turkey gobbling That's... that poor girl's little child's neck on yeah. the tarmac. I guess it was in Finland. But right on the heel of all that, then we have a number two song 
where the person is talking about crude sexual acts and violence against women and calling them names. I don't understand that. I don't understand. If any other singer did that, they would be persona non grata. And yet we do that. And again, then we could collate it with what we're doing to Mr. Anthony, at least the elites are. And uh, I wish him well. I really do. Yeah. And I'll see if uh, it'd be a great it's a big temptation when you're the at this little window of opportunity. You are the most listened to voice in the world. And there are people offering him, what, $8 million immediately? All mm-hmm. of these contracts, he has. Uh, he's from an impoverished family, could help everybody. And instead he says, I don't want to semi-trucks, I don't want the tour buses, I don't want... That's not going to make him popular among his peers in the country business, nor the people who run it. And so he did that. So I really admire him. Well, I hope we uh, hear more uh, from him, Victor. And uh, as you're talking, I'm thinking, gosh, I wish he would, Victor would have a conversation with him on a special podcast. I feel uh, bad podcast. for him. I feel bad for him because uh, a couple of Fox people have mentioned that they've been trying to get him. They've just asked and asked. I think Tucker's been after him. Joe Rogan's yeah. been after him. Everybody's after him. Sure. I think he, I think he knows that. Um, Comparing tiny things to big things, you know, when I write and I get a book that sells well or I write something and then you talk about that book or you're on two or three podcasts a day or three or four Fox a week, right. then you, you're not writing and you're not in you're not you're not in the situation um, that created this the stuff right. that you're being asked right. about. You're also talking about yourself constantly, you, which you has are, got to be so, unappealing at some level. Uh, when I go over every week to Palo Alto, I just assume that aside from the four hours one way and the four hours the other way, that 48 hours or 72, whatever it is, is a total loss as far as creativity and production. You cannot write. I don't know how anybody writes because... You get there and you see friends, you you like people there, people come in your office, they talk, some people gossip, you go here, you go there, you speak to this group, and then the next thing you know, you think, wow, I, I left Tuesday morning and it's Thursday night, I haven't written a thing, I haven't read anything, I haven't done anything, I've just talked, 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 talked. So maybe he has an instinctual sense yeah. that that if he were to do this it would be non-ending and then it's almost a paradox because when you do that you have doomed yourself that nobody will want to hear you or talk to you very soon because you're not going to do anything you'll be a flash in the pan because what makes people want to talk to you is the fact that you're very productive and that you have songs or books or ideas but if you just talk about it and try to hawk it then you're not going to produce any more and that's the problem. And so you have to keep away. You have to find a way to keep that away. For me, it was living out in the middle of nowhere. And in fact, places where people think, if I I would rather die and go to hell than where you live. And so that was a, my insulation. But I'm, I like the idea that he understands that. And he's so young that he at a very early age. Well, Victor, this is this is a little bit. Uh, this is not what he's doing is not comical, but kind of reminds me of that Gary Cooper movie, Mister Deeds Goes to Town. <laughs> yeah, that was a good movie, great movie. Yeah, yeah. Like so, what? I have a lot of money. 
or the potential of it. Anyway, Victor, we, we're going to move on. Um, and that was a great, uh, whenever you need to go down a side alley, Victor, you, you should go because you're in well, right. I would just, I just got in this mood and yeah. I just went nuts for, I don't know what it was, six hours and wrote 3,200 words. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I don't know where it came from, but it's, I had it in my mind. So I wanted to get it off my mind. Oh. Well, we're going to talk a little bit, Victor, the time we have left. We have time for two topics, uh, both related to Biden's, one uh, Joe and the other Hunter. And we'll get to that uh, those topics right after uh, these important messages. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. We're back with Victor Davis Hanson Show. As promised, I'm going to tell you about the Blade of Perseus. That's the official website of Victor. Its address on the World Wide Webs is victorhanson.com. I encourage you to go there to sign up and to subscribe and when you go you'll find various links links to what to victor's books uh to his appearances on uh videos and recordings from radio appearances etc the archives of these podcasts and uh, his articles from american greatness syndicated column and then his ultra articles which are the pieces two or three times a week that victor writes exclusively for the Blade of Perseus. And if you're a Victor Davis Hanson fan, you need to be subscribing because there's no way you're going to be able to read those unless you do. $5 gets you in the door and it's discounted for a full year at $50. So check that out, please. And if, by the way, if you're on the, if you're on Facebook, there's VDH's morning cup, go, go look for it and sign up for that. And there's a, a great group of folks uh, who populate the Victor Davis Hanson fan club. I think there are about 60,000 members of that, Victor. 
and uh, good people. You might enjoy that. And the inter- on Twitter or X, I'll still call it Twitter for the time being, at VD Hansen is Victor's handle. So Victor mentioned before Biden, the cold hearted, the callous. So the, the repeated uh, no comment comments about uh, the disaster in Hawaii, which to me, I counterpointed a little bit. I'm sure you have and others have with well, what the hell when George W. Bush didn't didn't go to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina or how he did, how he did go though. well he Remember? did but he didn't go he immediately flew, right well he, flew uh, over, he right? was well he was on his way to Washington he looked out the window and they yeah. took a picture of him but as soon as he got to Washington because he was on he had to get he had to get back to do something he went down there he put on right. waiters he went around and then we had it didn't matter the left said they wanted to destroy his his second term. Right. And almost immediately, it was a Kenya West said he hates black people. Right. And that's what right. they just unleashed. And then then he just ended up just pouring money. And they had that crazy mayor, Noggin. Is that Nagin? That guy the chocolate, was, uh, chocolate City mayor yeah, yeah. who went him. to jail. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was a crook. Yeah. They had a terrible governor and they had a terrible everything. And yet Biden has these optics that he's sitting on a beach in front of his 6,000-square-foot home. I guess it was almost $3 million he purchased. Somehow he had the wherewithal just a year after he left the presidency, vice presidency, 2017. He's sitting there, and you juxtapose that picture with that moonscape on a beach in Maui, and somebody just wants to ask, what's he going to do? And he just says, no comment. And why couldn't he just bring the world's attention? Why couldn't he? You know what he should do? He should get in a C-17 and fly over there and sit in a cockpit with the Air Force pilots and land and then make a huge tent city with hot food and water and medical supplies and get everybody housed while they fly in all sorts of stuff to start rebuilding or walk through the ashes and tell America, these people are vulnerable and we're not going to have them forced to sell out to big hotels or developers. These are their homes and I guarantee you, we're gonna help them rebuild. What's so hard about that? Right. Well, we'll be more apt to find them spending money in Ukraine to rebuild than in within the United States. No, absolutely. <sighs> Oh. Well, Victor, the the other callousness was this, um, and you mentioned it also. This is I'm uh, looking at the Daily Mail and the um, Gold Star Mom. Um, I'm scrolling here. Sorry, Paula Self, whose son was one of the thirteen who were killed by the terrorists, uh, or fourteen. I forget. Sorry, um, Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Christian Knaus, and. Um, his his mom went to the the White House. There was some uh, gathering of Gold Star uh, parents, which I find a little shocking that Biden even had that. Here's what the story says. During a meeting in the Oval Office, Biden told her, I can understand if you're angry. I stood face to face with him, eyeball to eyeball. She continued saying, I began to weep. And she told the president, it should never have happened this way. He stood there stoically, self-recounted, as opposed to getting an apology or a hug. Nothing out of his mouth except, would you like to get a photo with me? That was it. 
So, Victor, I, I mean, I, I'm just no, I'm not. I am shocked. I'm shocked. He's so effing callous. If it's, if you look up callous in the dictionary, I'm sure Joe Biden's face is there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean, he also took that occasion with some others to lie again about the sad death of his son. He said that he died, and I, I know he shipped home in a coffin from that was a complete lie. How can you lie to somebody in mourning? How can you do any of that? He's. We get back to this existential problem, Jack, is that we feel that because he's senile, he's cognitively challenged, that something has happened to Joe Biden. No, nothing has happened to Joe Biden. The only thing that has happened to Joe Biden is that the protective veneer that a, a sane person has, a cognitively engaged person has, that filters out his essence is eroded because of his mental incapacity. So you're seeing not just an occasional Joe Biden who espouse, you know, corn pop racist stories or bragged about, um, you know, talked about the jungle of the 70s and all that stuff or flipped all over on Iraq or harassed and really tried to demean Clarence Thomas. But you're seeing that constantly because there is no filter now. Right. And what you see is what he always was. He was a mean SOB. Right. And he was a total fraud. He was a mediocrity that was kind of a good looking, glad handling. It's good old Joe, nice guy. And then he created, he was not at the top of his law school. He did not get the scholarship. He did not write that speech himself. He was a plagiarist and a liar. And he was a mean person in the Senate, and he probably did sexually penetrate Tara Reid. And he had a bad habit of grabbing and trying to get cheap fields. Even who who was the is it Scott Brown was the senator from Massachusetts, Jack? Oh yeah, yeah. So he was going to punch him punch him out if he. And did he just that gave her an interview. Didn't he give him an interview and told him to stop it? Yeah, and I uh, think he threatened him. Yeah. And and, uh, Scott Brown's wife is, well, it doesn't matter what she looks like, but, but she's an attractive lady. And yeah, Biden, Biden was uh, a little too handsy with her. No, at the, it was I really, think it was at the swearing in. When I was a professor in Fresno, there was a very prominent wealthy guy and he had dinners and he helped the university and, and he, but he was notorious for Bidenism. Right. In other words, mm-hmm. his, his technique was not to grab some girl openly, but to say, come on and sit down at my table. And then he had these hands that were like octopus tentacles. They right. would reach under the, and you could see his shoulders dip on both sides. And he would grab a woman's thigh and then work right. his way up to her crotch. Why they were at dinner, they were just shocked. You could see, and nobody said a word. And then finally, I had... Uh, a cousin who was sort of like my sister because her mother died. That was my aunt. And I went to somewhere and he said with my mother and father, he said, she's going to be sitting right next to me. And my mom said, no, she's not. And I said to him, (laughs) I said, you know, in the old days for what you do, they take off a hand. So if you try that, I'm going to take your hand off. How's that? <laughs> and he and I had worked for him for a summer. So, but the point I'm making is that 
certain people who do that get passes and everybody right. knows it and they don't say anything. And that's what Joe Biden has been known for. And he even had to apologize. Remember on the stump in 2020 when that young woman, I think she was in Nevada, came out and said, Nevada, right. right. And yeah, he had to apologize. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you look at the character defects of that guy, there is lying, plagiarism, sexual assault, sexual harassment, racism, financial irregularities or whatever it is. And when you look at the people that he inculcated around him, whether it's I mean, he turned the FBI into a personal Biden retrieval service. So if one of his wayward daughters loses a diary that says she showered too long with her dad at an age when she shouldn't have been, then they go get it and get James O'Keefe. He may have it. When does the FBI serve as a retrieval service for a diary that somebody abandons in an apartment? Or if you have a laptop where you've got hookers and drugs, then you get the FBI and you suppress that, you get a hold of it, you put it on ice during the election, nobody gets to look at it, you no comment, you get your old buddies in the FBI, CIA that were intelligence investigatory authorities, and then they swear a big lie that it has all the hallmarks hallmarks of Russian disinformation. And then you tell America there's a bunch of little gremlins in the Moscow, as I said to Sammy, and they are what 3D printing a, a laptop and they're they're putting all these pictures together. And then they flew it over to Florida and they just stuck it into a nobody believed that. And yet that's what he does. And he lies about it. And that's what the FBI did. And then the FBI, where's Hunter's gun that he illegally registered? I can tell you, Jack, if you go and buy a handgun and you lie under oath about that handgun and that handgun shows up in a dumpster next to a primary school, they're going to come after you right? <laughs> big right. time. Right. And the FBI yeah. is not going to go retrieve it for you or the secret service and then say, mm, well, it was just his wife threw it out. She got in a spat with him. No, it's not going to happen like that. And so that's another thing that, 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 Oliver Anthony's song really hits on that there's two codes of justice and there's, and I hate to say this about this country, but it has descended into this elite code of justice, whether it's Hillary Clinton, Clinton breaking up subpoena devices or racing with bleach bit subpoenaed emails, or it's Hunter Biden, or it's Joe Biden, or it's Jim Biden, or it's Jill. It's just, it's going to reach a point where it's not going to be sustainable. People are getting very, very angry. Right. Well, Victor, one last thing on on this uh, gold star. Uh, And I'm just agreeing with what you said earlier. I think if Joe Biden, when he first ran in 1988, let's say he was elected then and and there was some similar event. I believe he would have been the same callous SOB, uh, however many years ago, that is 35 plus years ago. So you're right, the veneer being stripped away, but you know, it's he is weird, what he is. It's, it's really funny, but all of us in our experiences have seen elements of Joe Biden's, but we, we haven't really seen them all conglomerated. I was mentioning about somebody that had tentacles that roaming hands under the table would grab women. 
or when they would hug them, they would pat, he would pat them. But I also knew a, another official when I was a professor and for emphasis, he would whisper, you know what I mean? So he'd say, Mr. Yeah. Professor Hansen, come to see me. I go in there and he'd be angry about something I wrote or said or did something. So I understand that you wrote an op-ed. We're not going to allow that to happen in my school. You understand? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I mean, every every yeah. trait that I've seen in a person that was distasteful have been conglomerated or <laughs> aggregated in, in this guy. And there's just, it's something about him. I don't know. Yeah. what, what is Yeah. It? And he's president of the United States. Did you I'm see that? A... I'll just finish this topic. Did you see when he had this uh, press conference? I think it was Wednesday, August 15th. And he said, Every single objective that my administration has has enacted has been successful. Tell me just one. Tell me just one that we failed to enact. And you think, yeah, they were all failures. So maybe you enacted them, but they all turned out as failures. The border is a failure. The crime is a failure. Your energy policy is a failure. Your inflation policy is a failure. Your interest policy is a failure. Your Afghanistan is a failure. Everything you've touched turned to dross. But the way he said it, he was just yelling. You know that scene where you see him when he's just yelling? Yeah. He's, 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 he just tenses up. And he, yeah. It's, it's like the remember the guy you know the campaigning the guy challenged him about about guns and you know you want to go fight that kind of he 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 cannot he cannot yeah have, remember uh, he said he bragged on two occasions I'd like to take if I had seen Donald Trump when I was in high school I would have taken him behind the uh, yeah. gym and beaten him up yeah or I took him pop would have helped him so. yeah remember he, <laughs> I told that guy to cut off six feet of chain so I got six feet of chain to go make the confront you know what. Corn pop backed off. And then the other one, when he went into the lunch counter, that guy had insulted my, that guy had insulted my sister. I took in, I just walked into that the lunch counter. I took him by the head and I just slammed his head down right on the counter. That's what he talks about. It's all this braggadocio. Yeah. Little Joe Biden. And yeah. It's just, you know. Well, well, we have, we have one more topic to discuss, Victor. And I hope we, you know, not, well, we'll, We'll uh, we'll just keep going in, until you're finished uh, elaborating on it, and that's the appointment of David Weiss as a uh, special prosecutor, and the charges by many that this is an illegal appointment. And we'll get your thoughts on this final topic of the Victor Davis Hanson show right after this final important message. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. 
Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. So, Victor, I'll just quickly read this headline. Alan Dershowitz. Uh, the Hunter Biden special counsel appointment is blatantly illegal. Uh, Victor, the the um, the law, the rules, uh, uh, and it's U.S. Code 30150, et cetera, et cetera, says the attorney general must appoint somebody in a special. The special counsel shall be selected from outside the United States government. And um, what, who was appointed was the most inside the United States government and the guy who had effed up all things going on already with this uh, alleged investigation into Hunter Biden, which is as things appear, Victor, is less of an investigation and a more a run out the clock um, to protect the son of the president. So, Victor, was he appointed illegally? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I got in trouble. I wrote that he was. And then a lawyer uh, in New York, whom I respect a great deal, and I've known her for 30 years. She wrote me kind of a hey, heads up that, dear Victor, while you're right that you quoted the statute, that only has regulatory advisorial authority within the Justice Department. It's a bureaucrat. It does not have the force of law. Therefore, I, will, I would like you to amend your column. So I went back and looked at the statute as I had before I wrote it. And then I went back and looked at what legal eagles on the media like John Jonathan Turley or Alan Dershowitz had said, and they said that internal regulations or statutes within the Department of Justice internal have the force of law because they are part of a congressional uh, appropriation or bill that set up this type of uh, procedures that had to be approved by Congress. So I don't know what is what, but whether it's a regulatory um, statute that he flagrantly broke or whether it's a prosecutable, prosecutable offense, I don't know. But why would you do it? What? That's a good question. Why would the attorney general of the United States announce, contrary to all of his previous protestations, that he was going to have a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden as a reaction against Prosecutor Weiss's clear bias that had, A, seen him try to run out the statute of limitations over a five-year investigatory period, B, had seen him ignore all of the recommendations of agents that were investigating, whether they were IRS or investigatory FBI people and see that when he presented this ludicrous plea deal that not only pretty much gave, uh, exempted him from past, but future crimes that they had not discovered, a judge got so outraged that she did what no one else has ever done. They interfered with the prosecutorial defense attorney. And I don't mean ever done, but it's very rare and said, you know what? This is beyond the pale. You can't do that. This is just whitewashing this guy's crimes. I'm not going to accept it. Go back and try it again if he wants to plead guilty. 
And by the way, <laughs> Hunter's attorneys are now claiming this is really fabulous. They're they're claiming that because the prosecutor agreed in writing subsequent, of course, to the approval of the justice. But the fact that they merely agreed at a preliminary step, therefore, it has the force of law. And they're suing that they want the prosecutor's deal preserved in another court. So there, so what am I getting at is, why would you pick that guy when there was all this baggage and you were immediately going to be criticized? And there's only one answer, that in comparison to the type of damage that an honest special prosecutor or special counsel could un, could do and the things that he could uncover compared to that which would destroy a presidency, almost any conflict of interest, almost any embarrassment under any cynical, egregious violation of a statute of law would be worth it in comparison. And that's how they think. So they got together and they overall, hey, say, Joe, if we get this guy in here, he's going to get these, he's going to get your tax return. He's going to go through that whole, that entire laptop, and he's going to see every single reference. He's going to get a guy to go over to Ukraine, and it won't be really Giuliani this time. He's going to get, they're going to get, a, you know, forensic accountants to go over and interview people in Ukraine, and they're going to find out where this guy is talking about when he said, it'll take 10 years to find these sham companies that I hid the payments. And we're going to go look at all, they're going to go subpoena all your fake names, every one of them all three of them, and they're going to find in the archive stuff. So whatever we do, whatever it takes, we've got to stop this. And Joe said, well, what do we do? Well, you got to put the guy that's been on our team, make him the special. Oh, can't do that. Well, do you want to go to jail? Okay, I'll do it. That's pretty much what happened, in my opinion. Well, Victor, um, we're going to have to wrap this up. We've gone a bit, but I've got a little long um I was I thought I thought I would raise this as a uh, a reader comment as a playoff to get your your thoughts on something, but I think now, given your discussion of Oliver Anthony, this is this is a great way to uh, end the show. Well, maybe it's not great. We'll see. So, but by the way, we thank everybody for for listening. Uh, no matter what platform you do that on, and oh, I have to. I do want to. Say civil thoughts. I got to make a plug for myself here. Civil thoughts is the free weekly email newsletter I write for the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic, now AMPHIL, where we are dedicated to strengthening civil society. Uh, I encourage you to sign up. It's totally free. We're not renting the names. There's nothing transactional that goes on here. And when you do get civil thoughts, you get a dozen plus recommended readings from me, Jack Fowler, things I've come across in the previous week, really good articles. Here's a link. Here's an excerpt from a variety of sources and, and publications. So I think you will you will enjoy that. So thanks for that. So back on the comments, Victor, there's a bit of a long comment here uh, put up on uh, iTunes slash Apple. And it's titled, Sounds Like My Hometown. And uh, here, here's, here goes. 
Your list of points that show a civilization in total decline and about to collapse sounds like my hometown, Jackson, Mississippi. Here's a recounting of recent news stories about Jackson. Highest murder rate in the country. Jackson successfully defended its title as America's murder capital in 2022, even after homicides declined 13 uh, percent. WLBT reported yesterday Jackson ended 2022 with 133 homicides, a 13 percent drop from the year before when 153 people lost their lives to violence. In other words, the rate of killings in Jackson is more than three times greater than in Chicago. Markedly reduced police protection due to numerous unfilled positions, many unsolved murders, catch and release judges with numerous crimes continuing by those released Soros-funded district attorney, one of the lowest per capita number of police personnel ratios in the country, armed robberies downtown and all other sectors, racing on the interstates, abandoned and burned out buildings all over town, traffic signal lights not working in dangerous places, huge potholes in virtually all city streets, undrinkable water, if any water at all, and system under federal management, streets that ooze sewerage, numerous educational expense paid trips for mayor, housing prices plummeting, i.e. if you can find a buyer, dumping of untreated waste into the Pearl River, no garbage pickup available, one of the poorest cities in the USA, horribly rated public schools, zoo in disrepair and about to close, abandoned motels, hotels, office buildings inhabited by homeless people and rats, incompetent, if not dishonest mayor and lethargic and incompetent administration. The mayor council is at loggerheads and suing each other. The previous president, that's Donald Trump, flew into Jackson and the mayor refused to meet with the president, rejecting the opportunity to address any of the above listed problems of the city with the nation's leader. Is there anything that Jackson government does well? Can you name one thing other than these minor issues? Jackson is a relatively nice place to live. Uh, we'll conclude here. We moved to, from Jackson in 1979, then returned there in 20, 2005 for 10 years and saw a dramatic decline taking place. The problem exists all across America. This is from Stakes are high. And Victor, this is played off of, you know, podcasts you did with Sammy talking about the civilizational um, collapse. You know, it's funny about Jackson, Mississippi. It's like Memphis, Tennessee, or Houston. And what they do is when people categorize the collapse of northern blue cities of Portland, Seattle, LA, San Francisco, or the blue crime rate in Minneapolis or the disaster that's Chicago or Baltimore, Detroit, the left always says, well, actually, when you look at the South, it's much more violent per capita. But what they don't tell you is, Jack, they're talking about Southern cities like Houston or Memphis or Jackson, and they're all run by whom? By Democrats. Yeah, it's the capital city. Who's running? Yeah. Right. And they're, and they're all surrounded by pretty much peaceful, rural, small towns and larger municipalities that uh, are run by Republicans that are fine. So, yeah, the, the point is not red or blue, but anywhere you have a large city and it has a Democratic city council and it has a mayor who's left wing and there is a large minority population, they are going to be enacting policies, the Democrats are, that is going to contextualize violence. And you're going to have no deterrence and people yes. are going to be suffering and they're going to move. And then you go into the San Francisco doom loop. People move, 
There's less taxes. It's too dangerous to shop. Corporations and stores moved. And the city says we're running out of money to fund the police. And then we have to raise taxes. Then more people say, I can... I got to pay more taxes. I got to get something in return. Good schools, infrastructures. No, it's worse. Then I move, then they raise, that's how it happened. Yeah. And uh, those are one of the, I've been, one of the scariest cities that I've ever been in is years ago, I spoke at the University of Memphis and I came in on a Friday, as I recall, but I I was spoke for a, a group that didn't have a lot of money and I didn't get very much money, but they, they got a ticket that was cheaper if I flew out on Sunday. <laughs> so I gave the talk on Friday. I think I came in actually Thursday night. I spoke for very little. One of those days, my bad right. years when I was teaching, I teach three days a week, four classes, five classes, and I would get out different fat Fresno Air Terminal, take the red eye to some connection, San Francisco, LA, then fly across country, wake up speak and then try to get back that day or save the weekend. Anyway, they had me fly out Sunday to save money. And I walked around all day Saturday around Memphis. I wanted to go see where Shelby Foote lived. I wanted to see the Martin Luther King Museum. And I was in some bad neighborhood. And I saw, yeah. I mean, it was a really scary city, Memphis. Yeah. Really scary. And, yeah. There are, there are a lot of cities. We talk about Detroit like it's unique, but there are a lot of first cousins and second cousins. Uh, stopped, yeah. stopped in California. Fresno, yeah. California is very dangerous. Mm. Well, Victor, I know that was a long comment, but I, I do think uh, it, you, what you wrote has uh, struck. Um, you wrote that for, for the American Greatness column, I think, two two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But it's uh, struck a nerve and it's continued to strike a nerve, just like uh, Oliver Anthony has struck, and, struck a nerve. So, hey, Victor, um, we've run out the clock. Your wisdom, as usual, was magnificent. Thank you very much for sharing all your thoughts. To our listeners, thank you for listening. And we will be back soon with another episode of The Victor Davis Hanson Show. Bye-bye. 